Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, guys, this has been a crazy year. I know we all have keep saying that, and we keep experiencing it. And if you're like me, it's been a little bit more crazy than normal. I've had a bunch of illnesses that I don't normally have. Uh, that none of them were COVID-related. Matter of fact, I've had several COVID tests. All of them were back negative. But um, I had a little stroke that happened in the middle of the summer. They don't know why. I've had a lot of tests that are done. It's called a little granny stroke. They don't know what happened. They said, hey, just keep living your life. Take a, take a fish oil, and let's get after it. So that was there. I had an inner ear um, surgery. So there's a lot of stuff that kind of kept me laid up over the past um, few months. And so I've got to watch a lot of movies and read a lot of books. And I'm just going to tell you right now, there's nothing worse than to give your time and life to something and at the end of it go, really? That's it. How many of you done that? How many of you read a book, watched a story? I know you have. Yeah, Netflix, is, they love doing this to us. They get us so involved in the first two episodes, and the rest of them is like, what? Yeah. But, so, I've been thinking over all this time, and I've been kind of rehabbing and stuff, it's like, is there a formula that we could get to that could make sure that we got good stories, or that we had ability to have good stories? And the truth of the matter is, there is. There's a formula out there. And we can see this formula all the way back in Homer's Odyssey. Do you remember that you had to read back in high school? All the way back there, the same formula's there, all the way back to, to major motion pictures right now. And whenever stories follow this, we usually end up with something that we're pretty pleased with at the end of the day. The formula looks something like this. First, we meet the hero. So in Star Wars, we met Luke Skywalker, and he was on this desolate planet out in the middle of nowhere. And then a problem for the hero is defined. Luke's life is way too small for what he has inside of him. He's got bigger things and greater things ahead of him. And so then, to unleash that, what does he need to do? He meets a guide, Obi-Wan Kenobi, just all of a sudden shows up out of nowhere on this desolate planet, and he becomes the guide to help Luke Skywalker. The, the guide gives the hero a plan, Hey, you need to come with me. There's a greater, bigger galaxy out there, and you need to be a part of it, so, so come on. Then the hero, um, the plan calls the hero to action, so Luke has to go. And then we get to find out the action either leads to the hero's success or failure. And what happens at the end? Luke's in his little fighter uh, plane right there, and he's got to make the shot, and he's got to trust the force. Will he do it? Will he not do it? I just watched it again a few months ago, and I was like, I don't know. He does it. Yeah, he does it. They always seem to do it. You know what I'm saying? But that's a good story. Like, we're happy when that's over with. And why is that? Because this same pattern gets played out in our everyday life. Yours and mine, this pattern gets played out. We don't have to meet the hero, because here's the deal. We're always the hero of our story. No matter what the storyline's going on, if we're in it, we are the hero of the story. So a story goes something like this. A dad is driving his wife and his daughter to the airport in Houston so she can fly to New York to start her career. We meet the hero, the dad. Then a problem falls into the dad's lap, into the hero's lap. While driving the HOV lane, this is a very specific story, while driving in the HOV lane, 
headed to the airport doing 10 miles over the speed limit already a truck comes barreling down and rides on the tail of the family car here's the problem can you imagine this happening such a false story out there who would ever believe it then the guide comes into now this guy can be an internal guide or it could be an external guide. it kind of it's internal it kind of sounds like a voice and the plan that the guide gives the hero the dad is to slow down to a crawl to infuriate the truck driver and then this is the next start of the plan if that doesn't work completely stop your car in the hov lane get out of the car and get to a physical altercation with this gentleman who would do such a stupid thing there's another guide in this story the wife her plan is this pull over as close as you can to the hov barrier and let the truck go around we execute the plan plan a car slows down truck driver doesn't stop stop the car dad gets out of the car plan b Dad pulls over as close as he can through there, and the car goes around. Success or failure? Plan A. Dad gets his tail kicked in Houston in the HOV lane and ruins an already stressful day for his wife and kids. Plan B. Dad gets to live, and the pastor gets to have a really good example of how these stories get played out in our lives. Yes, that happened just a few months ago, and Sean did have all those stupid thoughts go through his head, and I may have braked a little hard to execute the plan before my wife, as a wonderful guide, stopped me. But we do this all the time, don't we? we? We come up with a plan, we listen to this voice, and we start executing, and the problem is this. For many of us, we can look back on those stories that we created, that we let that inner voice tell us. And it's some of our deepest regrets because we followed along. Because we executed the plan from that story, we now have deep regrets. Because we all do this. That internal voice, I'm going to call our ego voice. And it's defined simply as this. That scared, angry, negative, and often petty little voice inside of us that gets really loud when life doesn't seem to go our way. I don't know about you, but man, that voice is really loud in my life. It was really loud in another gentleman's life. And I want to look at his story today because he lets that voice create a story and a narrative that completely destroys his life and his legacy. And I think we can learn from his story and hopefully apply some things to our story as well. So if you've got your Bibles on you, uh, whether you're at home or you are here, um, you can turn over to Matthew. And there in Matthew, uh, we are going to... um, Uh, pick up the story and it's right before the crucifixion of jesus so it's the day before the crucifixion of jesus this is where the story begins this is what it says then judas iscariot the iscariot the one of the twelve one of the twelve disciples went to the leading priest and asked how much will you pay me to betray jesus to you and they gave him 30 pieces of silver from that time on judas began looking for an opportunity to betray to betray jesus what could have made Judas do this? I mean, we think about Judas as being like a terrible individual. What could have made him 
decide to do this. We have to remember this. Judas said yes to Jesus just like all the other apostles. And to say yes, he had to give up his family, he had to give up his home, he had to go on an adventure with Jesus for at least three years. But because he said yes, he got a front row seat to all of Jesus' miracles. I mean, he was there when Jesus calmed the sea. He saw Jesus walk on the water. He got to eat with the 5,000 whenever Jesus broke the bread. He was even there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. So what could have made this man who had experienced and been so known by Jesus do such an evil thing? Theologians are split. They don't really know why he did this thing. They don't know what could have caused him to do this thing. And so they have, some of them believe it was just because he was greedy. He's just, he's a greedy guy. And so they said, you know what, that's what caused it. Others believe that he was trying to push Jesus. He believed that Jesus was going to set up a new world order. He was going to set up a new kingdom. And he thought, this is about time. It's been three years. This is the moment. I need to push things ahead. And by doing this, he thought this would be the reason that Jesus would start his new kingdom. Truth is, we don't really know. We don't really know what could have caused him to do this. Maybe it could have been because Judas was really listening to Jesus. I mean, on all those walks, on all those things, especially in the last few days as they're moving into Jerusalem for this last epic um, moment that's about to happen, he was really listening to Jesus. And he believed Jesus when Jesus said, Gentlemen, I'm going to go into the city and the elders and the chief priest are going to arrest me, they're going to beat me, and they're going to kill me. He really believed this and he took Jesus seriously. And on that journey in, as he's walking in, he's like, what are you going to do, Judas? I mean, Jesus is talking crazy, but I believe him. Everything he's told us before is going to happen. What are you going to do? You've given your life to this man for the last three years. You left all your friends and family. You're about to look like a fool, Judas. And so his ego started coming up with a story. His ego started coming up with a plan that could help him deal with this. And he started, hey, hey, you got to look out for you. You got to take care of yourself in this moment. Jesus isn't going to help you. Matter of fact, the wise thing for you to do would be to get in the good graces of those who are in power. You need to find a way to get back on their good side. Because when Jesus dies, it's over. He can't help you anymore. I don't know the story that Judas told himself, but it must have been a powerful narrative. Because Jesus never stopped loving Judas. Jesus knows what Judas, Judas has done, and he invites him to the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, he washes his feet just like the other disciples. Matter of fact, when Jesus decides to have the first communion, Jesus, Judas is there. Jesus continually poured out love to Judas. 
But his narrative, his ego was so powerful that would not stop his actions. And it's easy for us to look at Judas and go, man, you're sorry. You're no good. How could you do such a thing? But let's be honest. Don't we do the same thing? Don't we let our ego, that voice inside of us, start creating narratives that have no truth to them whatsoever, but we believe them as they are fact? You look on Facebook or Instagram, and two of your friends go have lunch, and they post it, and they had a great lunch. And immediately, your thoughts are, what about me? Why didn't they invite me? Is there, is there something wrong? And immediately your ego starts forming a plan. I, you know what, I bet, I, I bet I did something wrong. I bet I offended them. They went to go have lunch to talk about what I did. And they had a good time doing it. I mean, I cannot believe that they decided to, instead of coming to me, to go talk about it over lunch. Who would do such a thing? Is that story true? No. But we tell it to ourselves all the time. Parents, you text your kids. Oh, you love texting them, don't you? They're so immediately to get back to you. You text your kids, and they don't get back. Matter of fact, they just ghost you. And you're like, what's going on here? Wait a second. They don't respect me. My kids do not respect me. They're probably out with their friends right now, and those friends don't respect their parents either. I knew these friends were no good. These are terrible friends. They're leading them to chaos and mayhem. I bet right now they're doing drugs. They're doing drugs. Yep, honey, we got to call. Our kids are on drugs. How do you know this? Because I text them, they text me back. They're on drugs. You're all laughing because you played that story out, didn't you? Yeah. We create these weird narratives that are not true at all. But we believe them wholeheartedly. We're sunk in, and no matter what is said, we are going to believe our ego's voice than truth. Because we've already played the story out. We're already now living in that story. And that story has become powerful to us. Guys, the problem with this, the problem comes whenever we allow our ego to choose to fill in the unexplained gaps between what we expect people to do and what we, they actually do. Because guys, here's the deal. This is only a problem when we do this. Our ego is just a tool. It's just a tool that we get to use when we want to use it. When I'm out walking in the woods in bear country, which I do often, who's with me? Who's out there walking in the woods with bear country? No one else is doing this? Okay, so I'm out walking in the woods in bear country, and I hear a twig break. You better think the story my ego is telling me is to save my life. You better look around. You better check your environment. I told you this morning you were going to die, and you're going to take me with you. There's a bear in the woods. That's our ego talking right there. It's just a story it's making up. Is there a bear in the woods? I don't know. The same is true here. When we choose to allow, to fill in the gaps, we have a problem. A friend of yours, y'all have plans to meet up 
But you know what? They're a little flaky about making things. You already know this going in. They don't always put things in calendars. They don't always remind. And so they, say, they stand you up. They're not there. What are you going to do? What do you do in that moment? We can choose. We can get to choose what we place in the unexplained gaps in people's actions. And guys, here's the deal. What we choose decides the strength and the character of our relationships. What we choose to put in that gap of what we experience and what we're wondering makes all the difference in the world. So what do we choose? We can choose to fill in these unexplained gaps with suspicion or with trust. Suspicion goes like this, man, I knew they weren't going to show up. They're so irresponsible. Why do I even keep being friends with them? Why do I keep making plans with them? How easy is it to put it in your calendar? We carry a calendar around with us. It has little notifications that go off all the time. How could they miss this thing? I'm so embarrassed being here. They've embarrassed me. They don't care about me. That's suspicion or trust. Man, I hope they're okay. Man, I know something must have come up. I need, I need to reach out to them and see if, see if they're all right. We choose what we put in the gap. And if we choose suspicion, it leads us down one path. And that's where our ego wants to go. That's where that voice wants to take us. Or we can choose trust. It's hard to fill in the gap with trust because of who we are and what we've seen. Let's just be honest. Some of us, we're just trusting. And we're just like, yeah, man, I trust you and tell you, show me you can't be trusted, I trust you, but even then I'm going to keep on trusting you. What do we call those people? Fools. They're gullible. We look down on those people, right? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're so trusting them. What do we do? What's the majority of us? You've got to earn my trust. I'll give you a little, but you've got to earn it. Most of us are wired to not trust. And so, therefore, we go into relationships already not trusting. It's already skewing how we think about things. It's the trust, though, that changes. The trust that changes everything. If we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, we've been, got, we've been called to trust because we don't have a choice. This is it. We don't have a choice. We don't get to listen to the ego voice. We don't get to be untrustworthy. How do I know this? Paul teaches us this. Oh, in 1 Corinthians, he teaches us what we are to be like, what our spirit is to be like. It needs to be a spirit of love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. I promise you, our ego demands its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrong. Oh, why'd you put that in there, Paul? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses. Faith always is hopeful and endures throughout every circumstance. 
time. There it is. We're called to love. We're called to trust. And that is so hard to do because this tool that we have in us that creates stories and negatives, I mean, and narratives, fall, fights this all day long. We so easily fall into the trap. We've got to work to make this happen. We don't have to work to come up with narratives about what we're experiencing. But if we're going to do that, we have to do two things. To quiet the ego voice, we've got to do two things in our life. The first one is, when we find a gap between what we experience and what we expect, we fill in the gap with trust. My parents that have uh, kids that are adults, your kids still love you when they don't call you. They're just busy. Just like you were when you were their age. That's the story we need to tell ourselves. Not that our kids don't care about us anymore. They're just busy. Like we are busy. And like we were busy when they were their age. Secondly, when we experience, when our experience with someone begins to erode our trust, we must go to them directly about it. This is the one we don't really like. Because to do this, you know those two friends earlier on that had the lunch that you missed out on? If it's really hurting you, if it's eroding your friendship with them, you've got to go talk to them about it. You've got to say, hey, that, that, I, I know that this probably had anything to do with me at all. Y'all were just getting together, but when I saw that, it, it hurt. Sean, I can't do that. You know how weak I'll look? You know how vulnerable I'll look if I do that? How needy I'll look if I do that? Yeah, you will. But what's more important, your pride or their friendship? Because if you'll swallow your pride for a little bit and you'll have the discussion, you get to keep the integrity and the trust in the relationship. If you swallow your pride and don't go have it, you just let it keep festering inside you, that relationship starts dying. You start losing trust in it. Jesus chose to trust. He trusted that we would choose his love over our ego. He ch- this isn't for me because of what I've done. Or maybe you can't trust because you put your faith in God and he didn't show up the way you thought he was going to. He didn't show up for you. He didn't show up for a loved one. He didn't act in a way that you thought he should act. And therefore, you're thinking, there's no way I can trust him anymore. I'll go along, I'll play the game, but I can't trust him anymore. If that's you, then you know exactly what you just felt like. What if Judas would have given him three days? What if Judas would have given him three days? how would Judas' life be, still, be different? How would how we look at Judas' life be different? Can you give him three more days? Because you think the story is over with. And he's just now beginning. God wants us to trust him.
And when we trust him, it gives us the power to trust others. It gives us the power to shut the noise down on this painful ego voice that keeps telling us lies after lies and mistruths and start turning up the volume on his guidance. It says, just walk with me. Forgive them. Love them. Care for them. And I promise you, this story's going to turn out better than you ever imagined. Trust him. Trust him. He's a better guide than you and I will ever be. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com. 